Uh, I'm still in Numbers. Numbers is such an amazing book. By the way, it's good to see Pastor Walt here this morning. God bless you. Talk about a talk about a culture warrior. My hat's off to this guy and his wife. They're amazing, fearless. Um, Numbers nine fifteen says this. Now on the day that the tabernacle was raised up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony, from evening until morning, until it was above the tabernacle like the appearance of fire. And so it was always. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. That's in the book of Numbers, believe it or not. I know a lot of people think that's just a boring book. There's so much treasure in that book. So the Lord's basically saying, I'm taking you on a journey. Let me lead you. Yes, you're going through the wilderness, but I'll take care of you. You know, when you you surrender your life to the Lord, he takes you on a wilderness journey. He did it for the Egyptians, for the, for the Hebrews after they come out of Egypt. He did it for John the Baptist. That's where he got his training. He did it for Jesus. That's where he spent his 40 days. He did it for Paul. That's where he spent years is in the wilderness being trained and equipped by the Lord for the, the ministry assignment that God had for him. That doesn't mean you have to go off and isolate somewhere. For some of those guys, it meant that. But what it means is that you're going to be going through a wilderness journey where God's going to teach you faith. Where things aren't always going to be comfortable, but they're going to be amazing. Don't look to your circumstances for comfort. He says, I'll be your comforter. He's all the comfort you need. He'll be your shade during the heat of the day, and he'll be your warm fire during the cold night. Don't think the circumstances are going to destroy you. They're actually, part of, they're actually tools in his classroom to train you, to equip you, to strengthen you, to teach you that he's all you need. In verse 17, it says, Whenever the cloud was taking, taken up from above the tabernacle, after that the children of Israel would journey. And in the place where the cloud settled, there the children of Israel would pitch their tents. And at the command of the Lord, the children of Israel would journey, and at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the cloud stayed above the tabernacle, they remained encamped. Even when the cloud continued long, many days above the tabernacle, the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not journey. This is such a picture of, of the journey that, that our life took where we were camped at one place for a while, and then the cloud would move on. And then we'd camp at another place for a while, and then the cloud would move on. And, and that doesn't always mean a geographical place. That may mean a spiritual place. That may be a place where you're getting training in a certain thing, and the Lord is equipping you in faith in that thing. And even when the cloud continued long, many days above the tabernacle, the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not journey. 
And so it was when the cloud was above the tabernacle a few days, according to the command of the Lord, they would remain encamped, and according to the command of the Lord, they would journey. And so it was when the cloud remained only from evening until morning, when the cloud was taken up in the morning, then they would journey, whether by day or by night. Whenever the cloud was taken up, they would journey. Listen, we are a mobile body. This is not the age of the temple. This is the age of the tabernacle. This is the age where when the presence of God moves, we move with it. You know, and so, so the Lord is able to send us wherever we need to go, and we carry his presence with us as long as we're following the cloud, following the fire. And it says, whether it was two days, a month, or a year, that the cloud remained above the tabernacle. The children of Israel would remain encamped and not journey, but when it was taken up, they would journey. So as long as they followed the cloud and the fire, their comforter was with them. When they didn't follow, they lost his presence. They lost his comfort. They lost his direction. In order to follow, they had to give up control of their own schedule. If you're going to surrender your life to the Lord, he's under the impression that he's Lord. He's in charge. You know, and if he's got a fight to put up with from you every time he's going to take you to a new place, then you're drawing this journey out just like the children of Israel's journey was drawn out. A 40-day journey can turn into a 40-year debacle in the wilderness. I can't tell you how it grieves my heart when I encounter people that I knew many years and decades ago and they're still stuck in the same place they were. That's not God's heart for any of us. He wants us to continue to move with him, to continue to grow with him, to go from glory to glory, from faith to faith. I'm not talking about worldly church evolution when I say that. That's not what I'm talking about, growing. That's not growing. That's compromising. I'm talking about growing in faith, growing in courage, growing in, in, uh, uh, in, in his presence in your life, growing into maturity. They had to lay down their own human reasoning, and they had to develop a strong value for spontaneity. Oh, the cloud's moving. Hey, look, guess what? We're moving today. We're going to a new place. We've been camped in, in this wilderness for a while. We've been learning all this stuff. Now the cloud's moving on. It's time to go to the next lesson. And that's what he's been developing in the hearts of his people who've been following with him. They had to lay down their own human reasoning. They had to develop, not listen, not all spontaneity is of the Lord. I just want to throw that out there as a disclaimer. Many who wander aimlessly are spontaneous. There's a lot of nomads out in the wilderness who have a strong value for spontaneity, but their spontaneity is not in submission to the cloud and the fire. Does that make sense? So spontaneity in and of itself is not a godly thing. But when it's submitted to the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, it's a very, very empowering thing for you, and it'll take you into epic encounters of an unexpected kind. When your spontaneity is submitted to the Holy Spirit, divine appointments and supernatural encounters will become normal. 
There are, of course, many things in your life that you have to schedule. If you have a job, be there on time. You know? If you have a church, get there on time. Just saying. If you have an appointment, you need to get there on time, or you may miss a real blessing that God wanted for So I'm not saying just live your life spontaneously and don't keep it. But what I'm saying is save room in your life for the Holy Spirit to move and to use you and to encounter you. Listen, if Moses would have been too busy to turn aside that day when the bush was burning, he would have missed something pretty significant. Sometimes you have to say, you know what? This feels like a real God thing. I'm going to have to make room for this in my life. Learn to follow his presence wherever it leads you until you have come to a place of maturity where he can lead you with that still small voice and then his presence will follow you. I'm going to say that again. Learn to follow his presence wherever it leads you until you've come to a place of maturity where he can lead you with his still small voice and then his presence will follow you. So if I were to give you a picture of it in the tabernacle, go into the tabernacle, cleanse, purify, sanctify, worship, all the stuff that's typified in the tabernacle until the tabernacle is in you. Until you've become the tabernacle. Body, soul, spirit. Outer court, inner court, holy of holies. And then the Lord's ready to send you. And that, that pattern follows all the way through scripture. And verse 23 says, At the command of the Lord, they remained encamped. And at the command of the Lord, they journeyed. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. Um, my wife and I, went through uh, some decades of uh, wilderness journey. And, uh, and your patience is tested. Your faith is tested. God, we've been doing this for a long time. Uh, you know, how long are we going to be out here in this wilderness waiting for God to move, move us on to our next assignment? That's where faithfulness is developed. In, in Scripture... Jesus said, it's required of stewards that one be found faithful. So Jesus gives us the keys to the kingdom, the key to stewardship. In other words, God entrusting the resources of the kingdom into your hands is faithfulness. And if, you're not, if, if you can't be faithful when you're in the wilderness season of testing and, and, and being tried and all of that, then God's not going to entrust much into your hands. So it's, it's imperative that we be faithful and not lose heart. In due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Those, those seasons are so incredible for developing the character of Christ within us, which we need if we're going to carry the presence of God. Jesus followed this wilderness example when he sent out his disciples. So in Matthew 10, he sent out 12 disciples he said, go without money, not even a change of clothes. Did you ever wonder, what, what, what are you talking about? No money, you can't buy anything, no change of clothes. That means i got to trust God for 
a clean pair of clothes. What? Or maybe what it means is they're going on a wilderness journey and their clothes aren't going to wear out and their shoes aren't going to wear out, just like the children of Israel when they were going through the wilderness. Maybe he was following a pattern here. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. That's what that's was Jesus' assignment to his disciples when he sent them out. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out demons. I wonder what happened to us. Well, you know, they were with Jesus, so that was different. They had an advantage over us. Wait a minute. They weren't even born again yet. They weren't even filled with the Holy Spirit yet. And they were able to do that. Why no money? Why no extra clothes? I think Jesus knew that they would look to their own resources to meet people's needs if they had money. Well, I can bail them out of this. I got money. I can, I'll just throw some money at them. If we can do that, we don't have to trust in the power of God to meet people's needs. Silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, we give you. We have healing. Rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. I really believe the Lord wants to take us to another level of demonstrating the life and power of Jesus. Listen, the government threw all kinds of money at people this past year, didn't they? Did that cure everybody's problems? Not even, not even a little bit. Might have put food on their table. Might have kept them home so they didn't have to go to work but it didn't address the real issues in people's lives. That's where we come in. That's where the body of Christ comes in. And we need to re-engage in what the Holy Spirit came to bring us. And that's everything that Jesus assigned us to. He wanted them to rely on the power of the gospel to meet needs. Jesus is all you need. You know, when we started out, and, and I've, I've just been reflecting on this quite a bit lately. Uh, we didn't have money for anything. Barely had money to put food on the table. Uh, we grew up in a culture where you didn't take government money. So we, we were too proud and too self-reliant to take welfare. And, uh, and so we, we went through some really tough times. And uh, we found out that Jesus is enough. We were going through our wilderness journey. When one of the kids got sick, we'd pray for him and God would heal him. You know, we found out that Jesus is actually better than a doctor. Amen? That's where, that's, and, and for many of you, if you look back in the early days of your journey, you may be able to recognize God launched you into a wilderness journey. And it was to develop faith in your life. It was not to discourage you or defeat you or... Show the world that Jesus doesn't care about you. Look, there you are, a Christian, and you're struggling. The, Jesus really isn't as concerned about his reputation as he is developing his army. It's 
Scripture says in Exodus, on the day that they came out of Egypt, all the armies of the Lord left Egypt on that day. The world sees a ragtag mob of slaves. God sees an army. You may look at yourself and see, here I am barely surviving. Here I am going through all these trials, all these tests, all this stuff. And you may see yourself as weak and, and defeated and, and a failure and all that. God says, no, that's not who you are. You're my army. I'm developing you. I'm training you. I've got you in, in a classroom of circumstances that are, that are designed by me to develop faith and courage and strength and tenacity in you. You're my army. Later, he would tell them to use all the resources that they had. Talking about Jesus and his disciples. But not when they were in training. So we've allowed our circumstances to rule our lives way too long. Amen? When your circumstances lead you, when your circumstances decide your identity, decide your value, you'll never be worth much. The Lord determines your value, not your circumstances. Some of the most amazing people that I've ever met are people that the world would look down on. But when I come in their presence, I sense that I'm in the presence of nobility. I met a guy when I was out in California a few years ago. This guy had, had lived in a very conservative community in, uh, out in Kansas or somewhere. And, and uh, someone that he knew came to the community and told him that God was moving out in California. He sold everything that he had on that word and moved his family to California. And when I came into his presence, I'm like, I just want to honor this guy. You know, the world thinks he's not worth much. But heaven sees the faith and the courage that was in this man's heart. And how he changed the cycle of generations in his family. And, and, and now his sons and daughters are becoming powerful men and women of faith. So I said, I just want to take you out and buy you a meal and honor you. He said, what? Why would you want to honor me? And I says, because I want to value what God values. And I want to tell you what God sees when he looks at you. Because of the price that you were willing to pay. For your, to, to take this journey of faith. See, Abraham, Abraham uh, never got where he was going. But Scripture honors him incredibly because he opened the way for those who followed after. He pioneered a journey of faith. Every one of you have that opportunity in your family to pioneer a journey of faith that others can build on after you. You can change the course of generations of history by the choices that you make to follow him. It, it, it disturbed me years ago when I looked at some of, the, some of the statistics of history and I saw this pattern of it takes number, a number of generations for people to really come out of a place of bondage. I'm like, why is that? 
Why is it one generation comes out of Egypt and it takes the next generation to finally go into their inheritance? That's not right. I refuse to settle for that. I think I want to be a part of a generation that comes out of bondage, comes out of that darkness, and also enters into the land of promise. I refuse to accept the wilderness as my destination, as my inheritance. That's not where I belong. I wasn't made to be a tent dweller. I was made to come into an inheritance as a son. Amen? And I think every one of us has that choice. It depends on, it depends on how far we're willing to go before we sit down our stakes and say, you know what, we're done. As long as you have breath, I hope you keep pressing for more. As long as the Lord gives you life, I hope that you are hungry for more than what you have now. That you're not willing to settle. Amen? Some of that is, is, is at the heart of the purpose that was in, in us when we, when we launched the school last year. Because we want, we want to... Uh, provide a place for those who are hungry, those who want to change their world, those who want to not only come out of something but press on into something and lay a foundation for generations to come after them to really experience kingdom life and power, to have a platform where they can go to and, and receive what they need poured into them. You know, when we came out of, out of uh, uh, our uh, bondage in our past and stuff, Amanda would say we're still coming out of it, but uh, we're pressing on. There's things that we're still uh, shaking off and breaking off and all of that. Uh, and I could tell you a lot of those stories, and I'm not going to right now. But when we made that decision to come out and to break things off, it's like the whole, you know, we had to leave family behind when we did that in our setting. We were, we were rejected by our whole family, both of us. We had to start over. We lost our families. We lost our culture. We, in every area, we lost everything and had to start over. All we had was her and I and the kids. And, uh, and then we found out that Jesus was really serious when he said, whatever you leave behind of father, mother, siblings, all that stuff, I'll give you a hundredfold in this life. When we found the body of Christ, we found the hundredfold. This is a bigger family than anything that we ever left behind. This is an amazing family. We found out that we have a worldwide family that we can, can everywhere we go, we connect with family and they love each other and they're real and they're honest and they're powerful. This is the family that we get to embrace when our natural family either rejects us or we, or we have to leave some things behind in order to follow the Lord. And I'm not going to tell any of you that you need to break ties with your natural family in order to follow the Lord. But I'm saying it happens. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. And there are going to be family that come against you because of your decision to follow Jesus. It happens. And we found out that in the Christian world... Life was like a buffet. Conferences going on, you can, you can go around and choose anything you want to, and you can, you can spend your life going after things that are so amazing and so good and so wonderful. 
But then there comes a time when the Lord puts you into training. He says, let me give, put you on a strict diet for a while. I'm going to take you away from the buffet, and I'm going to, need you, I'm going to give you exactly what you need to grow into your purpose and develop your giftings and discover who you really are. And so that's what we've kind of tried to do. Sorry, Steve, I keep putting plugs in for fish. Actually, I'm not sorry. But that's what we've really tried to do with fish, with the ministry school, is a diet that we know will help equip people to be the warriors that God called them to be. Amen. And, and that'll be for a season of time, and it'll be amazing. Uh, so realize uh, that we've uh, allowed our circumstances to rule our lives way too long. Realize you're in training. Your circumstances are tools in his classroom to prepare you for your purpose. And so if you're in uncomfortable, how many of you are in uncomfortable circumstances right now? Let's be honest. How many of you are in uncomfortable circumstances right now? You know those circumstances that are uncomfortable? Those are actually tools in God's classroom to train you. They're not there to destroy you. They're not there to make you feel like a failure. They're there to give you something to overcome. Because all the promises in the kingdom are to overcomers. So if you didn't have a challenge, there wouldn't be anything to overcome, would there? This, this, this life is for the courageous. It's for the warriors. It's for the adventurers. You know, some people, when I tell them stories about some of my missions adventures, they look at me like... That would be their nightmare to experience. And I'm like, no, your life would be my nightmare. <laughs> I never have to worry about living a boring life. That, to me, would be a nightmare. The, serving the Lord is an adventure. And if you're not living an adventure, you're not connected to it yet because it is an amazing adventure to serve the Lord and go where he takes you. Amen? Amen. So in, uh, in Matthew 10, he sent them uh, to cities and towns away from home. He sent them into new territory. And, and I've heard this a lot. Well, Jesus would never send you, you know, tell you to go away from your own people and send you, you've got enough needs right in your own people and your own family and all of that. Um, but he did, and he does. And he's in charge. He's the commander-in-chief. So he gets to tell you where, you know, it was back about 1990 when Jim Stevens had that vision. And he saw me ministering to native Peruvians. And he told me. And I was, I kind of had the same mindset that a lot of people do. Well, the Lord wants me there, he'll take me there. Right? And so I waited for the Lord to take me there. And 18 years later, somebody offered me a free ticket to Peru. I can only imagine what would have happened if I'd have gone sooner. But the Lord actually extended grace for me to go on someone else's ticket the first time around. And when I got there, there was a connection made that has grown ever since. And there's a fit, there was a favor there that has grown ever since. And now some of the things that are opening up are just off the charts. 
to my human understanding. And, and, and God's got those assignments for every one of us. I'm not saying that all of you are called to go to Peru. Some of you may be called to go to Siberia. I'm glad I'm not one of them. But Jesus gets to assign you because he's the head of the body. Amen? And in Matthew 11:1, 1, as they went out to the cities and towns where he sent them, guess what happened? Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. Listen, you don't know if you'd ever reach your own people, your own family. But if you're faithful to go where he sends you, he's making a promise to you. I'll visit your people. I'll send somebody to visit your family. I'm making a promise with you that I'm not going to uh, let your own people be forsaken if you're obedient to the call of God in your life. And so he personally went to the cities and towns, to their cities and towns, and he preached the gospel there while they were being obedient and going where he sent them. Isn't that amazing? What an incredible promise. So I just want to challenge every one of us. We are in, we are entering into some major time of warfare. Uh, There's strongholds that are engaging right now. There's epic warfare going on. There's strongholds. If you look at the chaos that's going on in our country right now, you would have to be spiritually blind not to see that there's an epic war that's being fought. Don't be on the sidelines. Don't be stuck in a religious shadow. When there's a war, a war going on that affects the future and the destiny of your family, of your nation, of your people, of your tribe. There's a war that's being fought and you don't need to be on the sidelines and wonder what's going on. There's, there's, let, let, let me just, and I'm not trying to, not trying to uh, be cliche here when I tell you this. There's an epic battle against a a principality of Jezebel that's being fought over this nation right now. That thing is trying to twist genders, make boys out of your girls, and girls out of your boys, and confuse everybody about who they are and what they are. And it's being propagated by, by Washington, by our political system, by our education system, by Hollywood, by the media. It's being propagated across the board. This spirit, it's not a person. You know, if there's anything I hope that I can get us to see, it's don't label people as a spirit. You know, there's, there's uh, some of the circles that Amanda and I came through. You know, any uh, strong, powerful woman was labeled a Jezebel. You know, God raises up strong, powerful women. He did it all through Scripture, and he's not done. And, 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 and if I hear somebody calling somebody the name of a spirit, I'll probably rebuke you. 
That doesn't, you know, there's people who are under the influence of a spirit, but that spirit is not their identity. That's not who they are. They, you know, Jesus wants to set them free. And we need to have that heart. And when we just accuse and judge and condemn people across the board because we see or we suspect, sometimes it's just a gift of suspicion in operation, that somebody's under the influence of a certain spirit, um, you know, if there's not a gift of discerning of spirits, you really don't know what's going on. I mean, sometimes you can kind of see how somebody's acting out, and you can suspect, you know, what spirit is influencing them, but they might just be acting out of their woundedness. You know, and that's where we come in. The body of Christ is, has the only healing oil that can reach those places. Amen? So, it's a new day, and God's raising up an army, and I'm going to challenge every one of you to find your place. And there's room for you to be trained. You don't have to go out here tilting at windmills today in order to f- respond to God's command or his assignment on your life. You don't have to do that. There's, there's time for you to get trained and equipped. And, and like uh, Carol Ward would tell us, the Lord flies the plane while it's being built. You get that? He'll fly your plane even while you're under construction. He won't wait to start using you until you graduate from something. He'll actually use you in the process. Amen?